Life is older, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze. Country roads, take me home to the place. Hello and welcome back to the Whole Nine Sports Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Dylan Sanders. You can find me on Twitter, at Dilly Sanders. Uh, we have uh, my co-host, as always, Brandon Olson, at WNS underscore Brandon. And then we have a guest who I'll let introduce himself. What's up, guys? Matt Miller from Bleacher Report. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at NFL Draft Scout, and uh, basically anywhere else. Uh, that's I've done a great job of just owning that handle across the internet, so I think it works for just about <laughs> everything. Yeah, how long ago did you get that handle? You know, that I'll be honest. I've been asked that more in the last six months than I've ever been asked before. Um, so if you have a moment, I'll tell the story because I actually got a little upset this year because the people implied that the only reason I have my job is because I got that Twitter handle. And I, I'm, I'm a little quick to, to bite back. So uh, when I heard that, I got really offended. I My job before Bleacher Report I worked in social media marketing for a photography lab and, you know, I, I went to school to be a paramedic, you know, I, I and I, I learned social media marketing on my own and just like with football, I'm, I'm a very self-made person. And so when I, I decided I wanted to start my own NFL draft website and actually like go balls to the wall with it, not just have it be a hobby. And I thought about what I had learned in my five years working in marketing and was like, okay, I'm going to apply that knowledge of SEO and keywords to football. And so I was sitting there at my job getting paid to do something else and thought, um, man, what would I, what would I type in? And I, it was like, well, I would type in NFL draft scouting, you know? And it was like, Oh shit, that's, that's so obvious. And so I did, I mean, I, I hopped on Twitter. I think before that my Twitter handle was like Miller tweets or something stupid like that. And, and I changed it. And, um, you know, the, the draft website that I had at the time propelled me to Bleacher Report, um, and and the rest is history. So I've had that Twitter handle since probably 2009 um, or 2008, so a long time. The first Matt Miller signature humble break there, call himself self-made. <laughs> right, yeah. There exactly. we go. Uh, no, I say that is like, a, you know, because I, I don't know what I'm doing, you know. I mean, guys like my heroes in this industry, you know, are guys who either played football at a very, very high level, or they, you know, went to the University of Michigan or Northwestern for journalism school. And like, I'm this dude who went to paramedic school in Lamar, Missouri. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to figure it out as I go. It's better than my old, uh, my old Twitter handle, which I found off of Yahoo Answers. Whenever I was like 10, I was like, Hey guys, what, what should I make my username? And then Someone was like, you should do like Dancing Jesus. And then another one was like, do like elaborate alpaca. So I I did it. I used to be uh, Mr. Dancing Alpaca, which I still am on Reddit, uh, my humble beginnings. Uh, but now I wish uh, I wish I could change it. But honestly, so, it's a blessing time, of being as old as me. Like by the time Twitter came around, I was in my 20s. And, you know, so it's like I'm actually I have some life experience a little bit that I can apply to things. So if Twitter had been out when I was 10, good Lord, it probably would have been like go Niners 6969 or something. <laughs> oh, man. So how are you all doing today? Good, good. Uh, it's it's fun to get to talk to you. Uh, Brandon and I have known each other for years on the Internet. and finally got to meet this year. So I, I appreciate you 
you guys have me on. I'm, I'm excited for your questions because I'm usually on the other side of this so much now with hosting stick <laughs> to football, hosting radio. I'm the guy asking questions more and more these days. So it's, it's fun for me to get interviewed. So uh, just be prepared because we're, we're full of gotcha journalism. So we just want to, we're going to make you look as bad as possible. So just be ready for it. I'm really good at helping you guys do that. I promise. I'll say something I regret guaranteed. <laughs> All right. So I guess uh, if you're excited to hear some questions, we can go ahead and get started with it. Uh, so we have three, the three big quarterbacks I think this year are going to be Tua, Fromm and Herbert. Uh, what do you think sets them apart from each other? Yeah, you know, they're all really different. I, I think it's one of the cool things, you know, is that they are they have an identifiable trait that makes them different. Uh, I'll start with Justin Herbert. When you watch Justin Herbert play, it's beautiful. I mean, it's he does everything you want. You know, he's six foot six. He's up to 235 pounds. He can move. He's got a clean motion and delivery. Everything just looks like it's supposed to. So I think watching Herbert, like he's a very complete quarterback from a mechanic standpoint. It's it's all pretty. Um, and, and that carries over to the field. You know, I want to see a little bit more toughness from him. I think a little more fight from him. And we'll see if he gets that this this year as a senior. A senior excuse me. Uh, I think Jake Fromm is very cerebral. And I've talked to a lot of people uh, who've interacted with him at Georgia because anytime you have a quarterback that, you know, is a number one recruit and then he comes in and starts as a freshman, my work on him starts pretty much after his freshman year. So I've done about a year's worth of work on Jake Fromm already. And everyone I've talked to who's played with him, uh, who's coached him, they say, like, this guy is incredibly smart. Like, he, he gets it. And he might not wow you with arm strength, and he might not wow you with athleticism, but he's going to kill you with his brain. And, and people have talked about, you know, he, it's like Andrew Luck, how smart he is. And, and that's super high praise. That's, like, as high praise as you can get, in my opinion. So uh, I, I'm really excited to see Jake Crumb's development as a passer. Hopefully they take some of the training wheels off and let him go make some of his own plays. I think one of the knocks right now is he's a little bit of a system guy. Uh, and then you have Tua Togovailoa, who's just, he's different from everyone. You know, a six foot tall lefty who, um, it's unfortunate that the last time we saw him, he was hurt because I think a lot of people now have this memory of Tua that is different from what he was throughout the season when he was unstoppable. Uh, I actually have gone back a lot this summer to watch him, to watch Jerry Judy, to watch Henry Ruggs. And, to his touch, man, just like watching the LSU game, the Georgia game, his touch, it's like Drew Brees, you know, and he's able to beat you inside, outside of the pocket. You know, he can stretch the field. There's just so many different things that he can do as a quarterback. But, you know, he's a little bit small. Uh, he's left-handed, which people get tripped up on. We haven't seen a lefty in the NFL in quite some time. But they're all really, really intriguing guys. And I think we've already seen some people talk about tank for Tua, you know, and things like that. It's catchy as hell. But I think that, you know, they're heading into the year, those three guys, with there's no clear-cut favorite. You know, it could really break any direction. And we could have you, we could have Jake Fromm as the top quarterback. We could have Justin Herbert as the top quarterback. We could have Tua as the top guy. So it's it's going to be fun watching this race that's, you know, you got three quarterbacks on three really good teams too. So it's not like Lamar Jackson's last year or Josh Allen where it's like, oh, God, I got to watch Wyoming play so that I can watch Josh Allen. Like, these teams should all be competing and, and certainly two of them, Alabama and Georgia, should be right there in the national championship race. Yeah, and uh, you had them all, I think it was like 6, 7, and 10 when you had your uh, your Big Ten, your top 10 come out a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, one thing that you had that I actually wanted to ask you about was you had Chase Young over A.J. Epinesa, which I disagree with, but uh, I would Me like too, to know also. your reasoning for it. 
Yeah, I have them really close. Um, I have Chase Young at two and FNS at four overall. Uh, I, I think with Chase Young, I see a little more burst off the ball. Epinesa is like, I feel like he's my child because I remember early last season telling Mello and Connor, uh, the guys who do the stick to football podcast with me, it was like, I, I love this backup from Iowa. Like, and they're like, who? And they're like, Epinesa, like he's a stud. And so it's, you, you almost feel an ownership to a prospect when, you know, certainly I wasn't the first person on the internet to, to see AJ Epinesa. People in Iowa, I'm sure knew about him long before I did, but you, you do feel that a little bit of ownership when you're the first person in your circle to tap a guy and say like, Hey, he's actually like really, really good. So the Epinesa, I see obviously more power, you know, he's six foot six, 280, 285. Uh, I think with Chase Young, you know, he's, he's going to be more of that hybrid can play four, three, can play three, four, stand up hand in the dirt. Um, I, I think he is a little more athletic. Epinesa just brings, so much power and, and an understanding of using his size, you know, watching him long arm people to, to create separation is a really special thing. So it is be fun for me to watch those two um, and to watch, I, like, I wish I could just make them like go head to head somehow, like on the same, the same field at the same time. I want to watch Chase Young go against those Iowa tackles. And I want to watch Epinesa go against the Iowa state tackles because it's going to like, that would be a truly special matchup. So if there's a way that we can get uh, Iowa State, Ohio State, and Iowa football going at it this year, and I, I don't think they're on the schedule this year, that would make me incredibly happy if we could find a way to get them scheduled. You, uh, you're feeling with AJ Epinesa being your baby because you claimed him first. I'm, um, I'm taking that with, uh, with Larry Roundtree the third. I just want to point that out. I've been on that train, so I'm keeping it when everybody else wants to hop on. Oh, are we are we are we doing this? Because then I'll do Jalen Johnson, cornerback <laughs> one, baby. I love your guys. You guys coming out. I know Brandon asked me about Roundtree, and I honestly haven't had a chance to watch him uh, a ton yet. Uh, this time of year, um, just like a peek behind the curtain for me, I have to watch so many of the top seniors to get. Like I said, you know, I've been working on. Uh, I feel like I've been working on Jake Fromm forever, and he's he wouldn't be one of those seniors. But like Justin Herbert, it, it's it's good for me to be able to get like three years worth of tape study done now instead of waiting until February or March and being like, Oh, okay. Now I have to write a scouting report on this guy. Let's go back and watch three or four years or not even writing the scouting report, but so much of like what I do audio and, and on camera with video stuff is being able to like know these players inside and out or coming on podcasts, doing radio shows where people ask you about guys, you, you just have to be ready. So Right now, what I'm doing is is making sure I'm ready on on those players. You know, the guys that I know I'm going to get asked about a ton this time of year, and that we know will be in the draft class next year. You know, with Jonathan Taylor, Travis Etienne, C.D. Lamb, guys like that. So I'm I'm excited. And and when you guys you know hit me up and ask me about players, or I, I come on a podcast and I hear you talk about them, it it does help because like I get that you know like that mental note of like oh, okay, well I gotta I gotta check these dudes out quickly because my guys are talking about them, and and if you guys are talking about them, then I know I'm going to get asked about him soon on radio and things like that. Well, uh, uh, glad to be of service. <laughs> All right, so um, another guy that's uh, – another quarterback that's, like, interesting, I guess, would be uh, to, to see about where he, where he's going. Um, do you think – like, what are your feelings about Tate Martell transferring in? Like, because people are now even thinking he might not even be the starting quarterback in Miami. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be up front. I know Tate, so I, I, I always say that because I don't want people to, like, see something where, like I said, that I talked to him about a story or whatever, and then they're like, oh, you're just, you know, being, you're, you're biased. You're just, you know, talking about him because you know him. Um, 
you know, he's he's an interesting player. And I say that even though, like, we haven't seen a whole lot of Tate Martell. You know, he goes to Ohio State, and I, I think a lot of people expected big things from him. And, and then Dwayne Haskins takes the job. So um, I think that's just part of it. And with Tate, I know that there's a difference between, and you, I'm sure you guys have seen this, there, there can be guys who are really good in practice and not good in games. There'd be guys who are really good in games and not in practice. And I, I think with Tate, there's, you know, there's a chance that that's who he is. You know, he's not, he's not a camp guy. He's not a, you know, he's not going to be out there in June tearing it up in shorts and a helmet, but he might be a gamer. Um, some of the, you know, with his playmaking ability, the type of quarterback he is, he's probably not going to look great in seven on seven when he doesn't have to deal with the pass rush that's, you know, flushing him from the pocket, which is where you see some of his greatness. So I always say with things like that, you, you got to wait and see. Uh, a year ago, people were talking about what, the the Kendall kid, uh, Austin Kendall at Oklahoma, not about Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray wins the starting job in a very similar situation, wins the Heisman Trophy, becomes the number one overall pick in the draft. So I know it gives us all something to talk about this time of year, but I always like to to pump the brakes just a little bit and and we get out there and see what happens because if Tate wins the job or if he takes the job, no one's going to care that in June there was, you know, talk that he might not be the, be the guy. Yeah. His, uh, his escapability is really what sets him apart. So yeah, seven on sevens, you're not really going to be able to see too much of that. All right. So, um, I'm over here. I'm on LSU's campus right now. Um, and you might be wondering where this is going, but, uh, I was thinking about, uh, football season, and uh, tailgating and stuff like that. So, and I know y'all are doing the uh, the tailgate tour stop. Uh, so I was just wondering what uh, the stop you're looking forward to the most is. Oh man, I think LSU Texas. You can't say Texas. A... You can't say oh, Texas. Can't? Okay. <laughs> no Texas. Um, well, that's half the the schedule, guys. So uh, by the way, uh, by the way, Connor Connor came on here and said that he's going to be rooting for LSU in the LSU Texas game. Just, I'm just going to throw him under the bus right now. That's fine. Yeah, that's you know Tom Herman is I think eleven and two all time as an underdog. So you should all root for LSU. I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, I'm fine. I'm gonna be out there in a vintage Earl Campbell jersey, um, pounding natty lights, ready to go. Um, Connor's never been to Austin, so he doesn't know how it works. And I guarantee you, by kickoff, he will be a Texas fan, not an LSU fan, because it's <laughs> it's just different down there. So if you're not letting me pick LSU at Texas, which is going to be a a, a magical magical day that I actually am looking forward to LSU at Alabama. Um, and I'm not pandering here. I think Michigan at Wisconsin is going to be a lot of fun. The London game that we're doing October 27th is going to be crazy, but Alabama at LSU, I think is just different. You know, we were at LSU Georgia last year and I had so much fun. The, the fans were amazing. Um, and I think this one being in Tuscaloosa is going to be special too, because Probably going to be Tua's last game. Probably going to be Jerry Judy's last game in Alabama. And you know that Grant Delpit and the Tigers are going to be doing everything they can uh, try to do to slow those guys down. So I think it's going to be a fun game. It's always fun when it's a rivalry. Um, I hope and pray that it's somehow flexed into a night game just for that atmosphere. But uh, I've actually also never seen a game at Alabama. That's one of the places I've never been to see a game. I've been through there a couple of times, but but never stayed for a game. So uh, also pretty excited for that just to – you know, we have a lot of friends in that area, too. You know, getting guys like Adam Heisler up from Mobile. Hopefully Walker, uh, our former intern, is still in the area. He can be there. So we got a lot of friends at, at Bama um, and a lot of friends from LSU that will hopefully make that trip. So that always makes it special 
Michigan or Wisconsin, I'm a little bit worried about my health because so many people have reached out and said they're going to be there um, that I, I think that that one's going to be epic, and I probably won't even remember the game. <laughs> It'll be like your LSU game last year. Um, it will be, yeah, which I it's starting to come back to me. Since you didn't want to uh, – neither you nor Connor said that week two was uh, the one you're looking forward to when it's Jets and Browns. Uh, I'm a little offended because I'll be there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that. Um, but you yeah, I think about... NFL is just different, though. You know, like I, I love NFL games. I feel like it is different. Um, I don't know if it's like the corporateness of NFL games, but there's like a college atmosphere is the best for me. Um, and that game – I, I don't really – I don't dislike either team, but I'm not super excited about either team. So I think that that's part of it too. Um, I love our listeners in New York. I mean, you were there for the the pre-draft uh, meetup we did, and it was amazing. So I'm excited for that, and hopefully a lot of people from the office can come out because it is close. Um, but I don't know why – NFL games anymore, I, I just don't feel like there's as much hype around them as there used to be from the fans and the crowd. And college people know how to know how to tailgate. I may be a little bit spoiled living in Baton Rouge and only ever tailgating at LSU, but going down to uh, going anytime I've been to a Saints game, like I love the Saints and I love the the Saints fan base, but it's just it's definitely a different feeling. Yep, uh, the only time I've been to a there was for the Super Bowl, and it was Niners Ravens, and I'm a Niners fan, obviously, and I was there all week, and so we just tailgated on Bourbon Street and then walked to the game. So that's my advice, but. Um, you know, also Godspeed, because I was a younger man then, and I don't know if I could still do that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of ruining your uh, your liver with alcohol, um, <laughs> you're doing the uh, the stick to football beer chugs right now. So we were wondering what the uh, the best and worst ones you've seen so far are. Yeah, I, so I I don't want to take credit for that. Um, the guys in the stick to football Hall of Fame uh, did that, and it really started with our our guy Jake Stillwell. It was like, hey, I'm going to do a chug for these guys, and it it it's kind of like gone mini viral. So I think my favorite one so far uh, is my guy, Dan Kiefer, because he had a little sign that said it's like 6 40 PM and OU still sucks. Like know your audience. Right. So that's obviously a great one. Uh, I haven't seen a bad one yet, uh, but I know there's some guys out there who, you know, they, they haven't turned one in yet. I, I think they're ducking us a little bit. So, um, and I will say mine would be terrible. I cannot chug. I don't, I don't claim to, I don't, I, it's like one of those things I would never brag about because someone's going to be like, Hey, do it then. And it would be embarrassing. So, um, I've always said I'm more of a, a quantity guy, not, not, I'm not built for speed. I'm built for power. So, uh, when it comes to <laughs> chugging, I haven't seen a bad one yet. Um, you should, I, I'll uh, say that our guy Mike's, you know, Mike Spencer, KKS. Oh, okay. Uh, never mind. Like... That one was bad. Yeah. That one was bad. And when Anthony Oreo did his, I'm sitting there talking to my laptop. I'm like, oh, he ain't going to get it. He's not going to get it. And then he then he got it. And I, it was a proud moment for me. But yeah, oh, Mike, man, um, that one was not great. But he also, he hit me up and said that Canadian beers have a higher ABV. And I don't think that's true, but I'm going to let it be his reason. Uh, he's going to hear this, so you'll be getting tagged yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, he, knows, he knows where I'm at. <laughs> I got challenged twice, so I have to do mine Saturday. Oh, yeah. You're late then, man. I think you got to do it and donate. I'm going to do it and donate. But uh, my thing is just like 
I have a fairly strict diet, so I'm waiting for my cheat meal, and that's what I'm gonna do. Oh it. Jesus! You're okay. I got. Right. I got to watch it. Um, I guess. I guess right. I'm lucky because no one's no one's challenged me yet. Yeah. Wait till Saturday. Um, oh, <laughs> Matt, we do one question with everybody, and I wanted you to answer this. You can say your foundation if that's the one you want. Uh, my cleats, my cause. If you were an NFL player, what would your cause be? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be selfish and say, you know, it would be my foundation, the 417 Foundation, just because, and I'll pick another one, but if you'll allow me a soapbox moment here, I, one of my favorite Jeez. things that that has become about this is it's so diverse. You know, like um, in November through March, we're buying coats for kids. Um, and then after that, it's like, okay, what else can we help with? You know, can we pay utility bills? Can we make sure that the kids at school who have a lunch balance, can we get those paid off? Last week, there was a family that, that reached out to us, a family of five with three kids. The oldest one is five years old. The youngest is four months old. And the dad had lost his job and they, they had nothing. They were going to be evicted. They, they needed money to go buy milk for the kids. And so having the ability to, to be able to like rally support in those moments to say like, hey, here's the need and we're gonna help these people, uh, even if y'all can't help us, but here's what we're doing. And if you guys wanna help, we would appreciate it. And so to, to be able to have, I, I think the versatility to uh, attack a lot of different needs, you know, um, growing up, my oldest brother has muscular dystrophy and growing up every year I would watch, you know, we would get involved with like the telethons and things that they were doing. And it's, it's amazing the amount of money they raise and the, the good things they're doing with it. but. One thing that I learned from those experiences is that like that money goes to one thing, you know, it's like this money is earmarked for this. And it's like, well, what if like, what if a kid needed a wheelchair or what if they needed, you know, a hospital stay, things like that. So one of my goals when we, you know, made this a, a legit organization and a foundation was that I wanted us to be flexible to just be able to meet whatever need pops up. And so that's, that's definitely like, my passion right now outside of my job and my family is being able to help people through this. Um, if I, if I had to donate to one uh, other than that, man, I would, I would find a way to, to give money to schools, you know, because I, growing up, my mom worked in the school system still does. My brother's a teacher and, and I, you know, I have kids in school. My girlfriend has kids in school. The things that those teachers do, man, for the, the tiny, tiny amount of money that they make is, is sad. Um, you know, I, I know what I make versus what Mello makes and it pisses me off. He should make what I do, you know, like thinking about he's impacting lives of 50, 60 kids a day. And I'm writing about football. Like, it's not fair that, that, you know, these teachers are, especially where we live, like they're, they're barely breaking even. So that would be, you know, if I, if I were rocking some cleats on a Sunday, number one, I would tear my Achilles, but number two, like I would want to do something to you know, put a spotlight on the, the fact that the teachers in this country are just not taken care of the way they should be. Yeah, and uh, if anybody does want to donate to the 417 Foundation at NFL Draft Scout on Venmo, um, is it the same thing for PayPal? Yeah, we actually have, I mean, a website. If that is easier for people, it's just 417foundation.com. Um, you can donate there. You can learn about what we do, um, the places that the money goes. I mean, it's, it's, we have a, a tax ID number. You donate, uh, we can send you a receipt so that it's uh, tax deductible um, and, and you can donate right there. So there's a PayPal. Um, it, I think the PayPal info at 417foundation.com. Venmo, um, unfortunately, you, 
we were only able to like sign up for one per phone. So the Venmo just comes to me, but money all goes right back into the charity. In fact, um, last week, um, when people were donating money, I was, it was coming to me and I was sending it right to the, the mom of the family where the dad lost the, his job. So it was like the money was just stopping in my Venmo long enough for me to send it to her. So, um, it's, yeah, anyone who wants to get involved, we appreciate it. And like I, I say this so often, you even just retweet, um, you never know like what difference that can make. I know last year, some people retweeted a guy named Scott fish who runs some fantasy leagues where they raise money for kids. He hit me up and he was like, Hey, we don't know each other, but we should. And we have some money left. What do you guys need? And at the time we needed a significant amount of money, just short of a thousand dollars to, to fill a, a quote for a hundred coats uh, for a children's shelter. And he was like, here's the money. And so it was just because someone retweeted it. He was, he saw it and we were, were able to link up and, and, you know, like 85 kids got a brand new coat. So uh, even if you can't help, I, I get it. I, I've been there too. Just hitting that retweet button really helps us. All right. Um, so we have a couple of mailbag questions for you. Uh, I love these because they're unpredictable. That's the best part. These are these aren't like bad at all. Uh, the first one is from Riley O'Brien, who he hosts Talking Football with uh, Big Country, yeah. Austin Cunningham. So my guy, he wanted to know what do you wish you could tell yourself three years ago, football-wise, not life-wise. Oh God! Thank you. Didn't say life-wise because that would have been depressing. Because three years ago I got divorced. So I've been like, there's a lot I've learned in last year. So football-wise, I I would look at the college game. So I would love to tell myself in three years you're going to be watching RPOs on Sunday, and there's going to be coaches who are working on getting the ball out in space. You're going to see a ton of pistol formations. Because I remember when the read option came into the NFL, and everybody kind of made fun of it because it was like, oh, this is never going to last. And it really didn't, but it it bred some of what we're seeing today. So uh, I probably would have evaluated even differently from my major job with the draft if I was aware of how much the game would change in just three years. Yeah, so we already made fun of uh, of our good friend Mike a little bit. So I guess we'll answer his, uh, his mailbag question. That's actually our last question for you for the day. Um, it's going to be, he, he wrote in at Mike Spencer KKS on Twitter. And what's the uh, biggest draft hit or miss for you personally? I, I know what oh, this is God. too. This is, I, mean, I don't I, know. I, know I really don't answer. know. You don't, don't know, know your answer? I really don't. I think my miss, I'll, the obvious one is Trent, Trent Richardson. <laughs> but I honestly don't feel like that is because everyone missed on him, you know, except for Jim Brown. So I feel like that question deserves more of like, an individualized answer. So I'll give you two players that I really liked who suck. Uh, Coney Ely, I loved. And I'll admit, here's the, the great thing about being as old as me. I can look back and tell you why I missed on him. And I liked him as a player. Um, he, he played opposite Michael Sam. And in that Missouri scheme, they were they were just pinning their ears back and wide nine all day. So they were productive and they looked good. And, and so I liked Coney's film. And I had like a late two, early three on him. And then here's what happened. He without my knowing it, he got my phone number and he called me out of the blue and he was like, Hey, this is Coney Ely. I play football at Missouri. I uh, just wanted to let you know, I appreciate you and, and the work that you do and the things that you've said about me. If you ever have any questions, if you ever have any cr criticisms, here's my number. And so to like when I'm, you know, how many ever years ago, I'm like, how could a guy with that mindset fail? Like he's going to be really good. You know, he's productive, he's strong, he's ideal physically, uh, albeit a little stiff, a little slow, but 
Like, God, he's got such a great head on his shoulders. So I really, really liked him and thought he was going to be great. And then the other one is Tank Carradine, who came out of Florida State. He was one of those ACL guys that Trent Baalke drafted with the Niners. I had both those players top 10 overall in their draft classes, and neither ended up good. And so the lessons that I learned for that were, number one, you got to take your personal feelings out of the equation. Number two, you, you really can't trust hurt players because there are exceptions, but more often than not, they remain hurt players. Like even, man, even look at Todd Gurley right now. Look at Sonny Michelle. Like these guys are are having struggles with injuries into their career. So those would be my misses and, and what I took away from them. I think your hit would probably be Alshon Jeffrey because weren't you going ape shit over him? Yeah, he... That honestly, like, really launched my career. Um, just to be to be honest, uh, I was pretty new at Bleacher Report back then. Um, I'm trying to remember what was that 2012. So that was like my first year fully full time at Bleacher Report, and I can remember in the San Francisco office. We only had one office at that time. A lot of the people there, like, they trusted me, and they shouldn't have. They had no reason to, and they but they really believed in me. And they had up on the, like a huge pillar they had wrote on there um, over, it was like, it was a bet. Like, will Alshon Jeffrey go in the first round or not? And it was basically, am I right or wrong? And I, I went to the office and I was like, guys, I, I've never said he's going to go in the first round. I said he should. I was like, but I'll bet anyone in here that he's going to be a pro bowler within the first three years and he'll be the best receiver out of this class. And thankfully, uh, that ended up being right. You know, Michael Floyd failed. Uh, Justin Blackman failed miserably. You know, AJ Jenkins was terrible. Uh, Stephen Hill never became anything. Kendall Wright never became anything. So out of that draft class, Alshon Jeffrey definitely became the best. And I think it opened a lot of eyes to people online, but it opened, I think, a lot of eyes with my bosses to where they were like, okay, maybe this dude that we plucked out of complete obscurity either got incredibly lucky or he might know what he's doing. And eight years later, I still don't think anyone really knows the answer to that question, but I'm still here, so that's good. Uh, Matt, I actually, I didn't, Dylan doesn't know that I'm doing this, and uh, we're running very short on time, so, but I wanted to throw you off a little bit because you said that you kind of like to be thrown off a little bit. Yeah. We're going to play a little word association game, oh, if you're okay go. with that one. I'm okay with anything, as long as you're okay with... As long as you're okay with cursing, because I might accidentally curse. So as long as it just tell the kids to, to earmuff it for a little bit. I'm fairly certain no kids listen to this. Um, <laughs> even if you can say whatever you want. Uh, the first one I'm going to go at is, it's kind of a softball. It, it's mellow. One word for mellow? Oh, teddy bear. Um, yeah. And he probably won't love that, but like that's what I think of when i picture mellow he's just he's a he's a softy he's a sweetheart a lot of people don't see that side of him because we're making jokes online all the time and and he's one hell of a beer drinker but but mellow's just a big teddy bear uh what about connor hair it's the hair man uh <laughs> no connor is incredibly loyal um he's a great friend uh, we've known each other a long time i know it's more than one word first word that comes to mind is hair but but Connor is Connor's a loyal, hardworking, driven guy. Uh, I'm really lucky to get to work with him. Speaking of loyal, uh, Chris Sims. Uh, I think of Major Applewhite, and then I think of his spleen. Um, I, I love Chris. Um, <laughs> when he when he was hired at Bleacher Report, uh, I walked up to him and I introduced myself, and I was like, "I just want you to know, 
I loved Major Applewhite, but I'm happy to work with you. And so we always kind of had that relationship of like, you know, giving each other hell a little bit. There's no one, I don't, I don't think I've ever met anyone as nice as Chris Sims. And I don't, I don't know if a lot of people would tell you that. Um, Mello definitely would tell you that. Chris is just such a nice guy. He's great. He like, he lights up a room when he walks into it. He is such a hard worker. Um, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, at BR, they, they wanted him to do more stuff and he just wanted to like watch film and hang out. And so I, I really, really have a lot of respect for him. He's a, he is, he's just a super nice guy. He, he stops and talks to everybody in the office, you know, he's shaking hands with everybody. He's got like inside jokes with everyone in the place. It's, is he's like a politician, but, but he it's real, you know, that's just who he is. Major Applewhite is actually the uh, the next one that I was going to throw at you. <laughs> uh, I hate him now is the problem. I loved him as a player, but as a coach, like I'm just so done with him. You know, the way that things went down at Oliver. And, and once you have my job, you know, like you can go to those places and meet these people or you can talk to their peers. And it's like, so when you hear about Major Applewhite, it's like, he, I don't know if he has short guy syndrome or what, but he's just not a good person a lot of the time. So hopefully getting fired will humble him and he'll learn from that. All right. I got three more for you that uh, the first one's pretty easy. The next two might be a little rough. Uh, the first All one's right. the stick to football hall of fame. Cult. <laughs> That's the only word that I think of is that Dan Barnes has started a cult. I love it. Um, I think anyone who starts a podcast or a website or a TV show or anything, that's what you want. You want a community. You want people who all love it and come together. And I think that's something really special that we have. And, um, and I, I'm not trying to like, you know, compare us to anyone else because everybody does their own thing. But like, I don't know if Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay have a community of like, crazy diehard people who listen to their podcast and drive hours to events. I hope they do, but I also kind of hope that they don't, you know, and like Daniel Jeremiah is one of my favorite people in the world. I don't know if he and Bucky Brooks have a community of listeners like we do. And so in this space that we're in that, you know, I think it's really cool that, and we're really lucky that we have, you know, you guys and, and Dan Barnes and Antha Oreo and all, everybody, you know, who comes to these events and, and keeps things going online. So um, they annoy me sometimes. They know that, but but I absolutely love those guys. Speaking of annoying you sometimes, um, Shay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. Um, balance. If we were doing the word association thing that I kind of ruined um, I, I need that, you know, my, my work life is, is really, really stressful. Um, and that's something I don't talk about a lot online and the, the pressure, you know, of my job is immense. So having someone who brings that balance and picks up the pieces when I, you know, when I want to do a podcast at eight o'clock at night and, uh, someone's got to get my son in bed so he can go to summer camp in the morning, you know, uh, all the, all the things that I'm not good at, she is. So, um, also annoying sometimes, but, but definitely, you know, the, the yin to my yang, I guess, to be very, very corny. Last one is, uh, <laughs> it's the Paw Patrol scout. Oh man. I don't even know what the deal is with that guy. I thought we were friends and then he was just using me for exposure and then did the whole heel turn things. So I don't know, man. I'm too naive. I want to be friends with everybody. Um, and I, that's maybe something a lot of people don't know about me. Like, 
I could be friends with anyone. And so like, I thought we were cool. I didn't agree with a lot of his takes, especially like the Cam Newton stuff, but like, I, I thought it was funny. And like, so I thought we were buddies. Um, but you know, whatever, uh, water under the bridge, um, but going back to the previous question, my work life is too stressful for me to worry about fake internet accounts. So, um, I wish the guy the best of luck, hopefully, like, especially if he, you know, if that part of his shtick was true and he, you know, is going through a custody battle, um, that's, that's terrible. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. So, so hopefully if that part of the, the mystique of him was real, he, he does get things worked out. And, uh, that's all I got. Uh, I just want to thank you again, because of course you helped me get into scouting. So without you, there's no me in football. There's no whole nine sports.com. There's no podcast. So, uh, thanks again for that. And Dylan. All right. Yeah. Well that, uh, yeah, obviously just thanks. Thanks for coming on. We loved having you. Uh, you're obviously welcome on anytime. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I think that does it for uh, for our episode today. Uh, you can find us uh, where we sat at the beginning on social media. And once again, thanks for uh, thanks for coming out on uh, on the show. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. This is fun. I and I love that we didn't talk that much about football. So definitely have to do this again um, in the fall when we have real football to talk about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem, man. Anytime.